Yeah. Um, Mother, who would you rather fight, Mother Teresa or? This is so terrible. <laughs> but it's Mother Teresa or Gandhi. Ooh, I mean, I'd fight. Gandhi. Or you could do the Dalai Lama. We'll give you a three-way choice. Who would you rather fight? Fighting them physically? Mother Teresa. Just straight <laughs> off. Oh, you got a break that nose, man. <laughs> Thank you very Thank much. Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you for not bringing too strong. <laughs> Chris and I are not quite there yet. Soulmates, partners, friends. Yeah, explain that to my wife. Yeah. All right. Cool. We'll do a little intro and then we'll pick mm-hmm. up. Alright, this is Mike and Chris from AZ Brandcast. What's up, everybody? Another episode here, and we've got an awesome guest. We've got Adam Goodman from Goodman's Interior Structures. Did I get that right? That's me. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Um, We'll let him do a little intro in a couple minutes here, but first, we've got to ask a really important question for all three of us to answer, and that is, if you were in a fist fight, and you got to pick from two different people, and you have to fight them, would you pick the Dalai Lama or Gandhi? And why? <laughs> and why? <laughs> I got my why. There's so many ramifications to this question. <laughs> so many ramifications. Should we let Adam go last? We'll, we'll let Adam go last. So he's right. Give me a little ramp a little, time. A little time to okay. think on this. Do you know your answer? I think I know my answer. So I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with Gandhi. It's a bit of a... <clears throat> I have a feeling he would just take all my punches. And I think... From what little I know about him and the Dalai Lama in, in totality, that the Dalai Lama would be slightly less inclined to take my punches. What do you mean, take your punches? Like, like I think he'd try to fight back. Oh, gotcha. Bless Maybe. Bless like, if you push them, would he? But I think Gandhi would stick to his principles because he's yeah. all about nonviolent protest. Yeah. Okay. So that's good. So from a brand perspective. <laughs> Come on, man. The Gandhi brand. Not like, branding. Uh, <laughs> not everything's about branding, Mike. I know. No, I, that, I respect that. All right, so mine would be um, probably Gandhi, even though I like him better than the Dalai Lama. But he just has that nose. <laughs> just like some straight punches, you know? <laughs> it just kind of be fun to... Oh, that's terrible. I don't want to fight either one of them. But Gandhi is like, did something. Whereas the Dalai Lama, I'm not sure. Like, I'm sure he's inspired a lot of people, you know? But God, he did something, man. He got it going. I feel like you're going right back to Brand again. Yeah, but I wasn't nerdy enough to say it. Yeah. Yeah. It needs to be weird. All right, yes, it is. is, Yes, I guess it is Brand. It is Brand. It's action. It's an action. He's an action. He is an action. Whereas the the Dalai Lama, he's more kind of like, he travels around. He does. Says some nice stuff. He does. He makes everybody feel really good about themselves. Yep. You know? But, you know. He has yet to free his people. Yeah, that's... Which someone out there right now is just wanting to to punch me in the face. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you! Dolly Lama is is my choice, though. It's not like you're saying, I hate the dog. No! No, no, no! Great. It's not such a tough choice for me, actually. It's interesting you guys are struggling with it. Um, It's the Dalai Lama. Okay. For sure. Uh, because that motherfucker owes me a hundred bucks, <laughs> and uh, I, I'm, that's why it's hard for us. He doesn't owe us a hundred. Yeah, right. I get, I get your ambivalence about the whole thing, but if, I, if you see him, 
<laughs> I'm tell looking for it. Yeah, tell him. Yeah, he owes right. you. Right. We'll, we'll tell him. Up. Gandhi's never done anything to me. <laughs> when we get <laughs> we the Dalai Lama on Easy Brandcast, yeah, <laughs> to talk about brand. When, when, and when, yeah, the Dalai Lama. I guess I'm not fighting the Dalai Lama, so it would be you. Yeah. Have to tell him when he's on the ground. You'll have to be like, I know it's a bad time, <laughs> probably. But you're my leg breaker. You know, Adam Goodman. <laughs> this is for Adam. This is for Adam. Yeah. That was good. That was a good discussion. All right, so now we know where we all stand. We can move on. So, Adam, um, we would love to hear a little bit about Goodman's and maybe give us a little bit of the backstory um, and in particular about kind of how you've created this really unique purpose for the organization and kind of how that came to be, the process that you've gone through in in refining that. Okay. You asked. I do. (laughs) So, uh, well, thanks for having me here, mm-hmm. first of all. It's lovely. Your studio is lovely. <laughs> <laughs> I like that a lot. The record is his studio. Yeah, it's studio. Oh, my gosh, you're right. <laughs> um, so we're a 64-year-old third-generation family business, uh, office furniture business, started by my granddaddy uh, in 1954. And... Um, we grew up with it, with Arizona. Uh, as Arizona exploded, we exploded right along with it. And uh, my father built the business um, from my grandfather. He took the business over and built it with some really exceptionally talented people. Very smart, very bright, very talented people. And as I came into leadership in the early 2000s, I became uh, acutely aware of the fact that I needed to attract some exceptional talent because the exceptional talent that he attracted uh, is going to be leaving the workforce soon. And so I really started to think a lot um, uh, at that point in my career about it. It was right around that time, early 2000s, the CEO of Herman Miller, uh, I was at a cocktail party and, and we had just the most casual conversation you can imagine and where he said to me, um, the most important role of a CEO is to provide a sense of purpose to his employees, something beyond themselves, a sense of purpose of something beyond themselves. And uh, I found that really uh, impactful because I didn't know what it meant. It didn't make any sense to me at all. What possible sense of purpose could there be in selling file cabinets uh, all day long? And so I, I chewed on that for a while. It was around the same time that I set out on a little journey to interview uh, all of our employees and many of our customers. And I asked each of them one question, and the question is to our employees, why do you work at Goodman's? And let them just riff on whatever it was that they were thinking. And then I asked our customers, why do you do business with Goodman's? Again, just that one question. I I kept track of all these answers on uh, yellow legal pads and uh, filled them up and filled them up and filled them up. Didn't even know what to do. I wasn't filtering anything. I wasn't cognitively processing anything. I was just letting it wash all over me. And uh, I happened to have a long cross-country plane flight um, one day, and I pulled them all out, and I read through all of them. And, and uh, what those all said to me, what I heard from our customers was that the reason they liked doing business with is because what they do, the things they do, it helped them to do them better. For mm-hmm. example, their hospitals, they talked about how the, what the work we do helps patients to heal better because we're providing safer environments for the caregivers or more comfortable environments for patients and more comfortable environments for the, fa- environments for the families. Well, you add all that up, that's going to make the patient heal, or heal quicker. Well, that's a really big deal. We talked to governments who said, the work you're doing to help us use our existing furniture to reuse it 
and not have to buy new furniture. That is lowering the cost of government for taxpayers. That's a really significant thing. Well, that's really interesting. Then we talked to uh, um, our education customers, higher education customers, who said, what you're doing is making a direct impact on how students are learning in the classroom. We're actually, we've actually proven uh, with empirical data that the work you're doing is making the, the learning process better. Wow. And then the corporations, the, the private companies are telling us that um, the things that we're doing for them are helping them to be more competitive, to attract and retain better talent, or to be more collaborative, or to uh, be more creative, or whatever their objective might happen to be. So you add all of that up, and like, well, that's really interesting that the impact we're able to have. I then asked, uh, I looked at what the employees said, and the employees talked about how um, our philanthropic spirit and the things that we can do for others and how important that is to them. I kind of melded all that together and realized that the work we're doing here at Goodman's is changing the community. It's making a difference in the community. It's improving things. And I started to reflect on that as that's something I can get out of bed for. That's something that means something to me that gets me excited to come to work. I have been in the newspaper business before this. I've always wanted to be a newspaper publisher. Have you ever heard anybody say that sentence before? Just coming out of my mouth, it sounds ridiculous. I had always wanted to be a newspaper publisher. And so uh, I, I, I went to work for Gannett Newspapers and was going around the country uh, on a kind of fast track program to be a newspaper publisher. God willing, after 10 years, I would have been the Valdosta, Georgia you know, publisher or something like that. Uh, and my father brought me back in the business. What I realized when I was in, this, in the office furniture business was I missed that sense of purpose I had in newspapers. Newspapers inform a citizenry. They're an important part of democracy. They make change in a community. And I didn't have that by selling cubicles and vertical files. So um, now, suddenly, as I've reframed the whole purpose of the company, now I've got something that gets me excited and gets employees excited. That's awesome. That's a great story. Well, thanks. And thankfully, it's true. So it's all not true. Just a, not just a story. <laughs> so, so you talk to employees. Why on earth would you talk to employees? You pay them, they do what you say, and a story, right? Yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, again, back to the idea of i got to attract talent. Right? I need to understand what it is that compels people to want to work here. And um, it wasn't our dental plan. We have an excellent dental plan, by the way. But it's just not. It's, a, it's, it's diminishing returns when you keep trying to chase uh, compensation or benefits for these kinds of things. We provide great benefits and compensation, don't get me wrong, but it has to be something bigger. And going back to what that CEO from Herman Miller, Brian Walker, said, you give employees a sense of purpose about something beyond themselves. Um, and so I wanted to know what it was they cared about uh, and, and where that came from. So it only made sense to go about that. So, so what, kind of, what kind of resistance did you face? What kind of, what kind of an unanticipated or maybe even anticipated problems did you, did you uh, obstacles did you have to right away so I, I landed uh, back to the airplane flight I landed and um, and the next day at work I faced no obstacles frictionless completely frictionless to be able to, to uh, this whole thing even the first year I had no obstacles mostly because I didn't tell anybody about it <laughs> <laughs> I kept it quiet because I was uh, ashamed maybe embarrassed um, that uh, this was so grandiose it was such a big I, it, it felt like too ambitious for 
for goodness sakes, you're an office furniture just dealer. Get, get back in your corner and just be an office <laughs> furniture dealer. Who do you think you are trying to change the world? Right, yeah. Right? That's for, that's for the tech companies. Those are the guys <laughs> make changing the world. You're just selling. So conference table. That's for virtual furniture. Right, <laughs> right, right. So uh, that whole year, I didn't tell anybody about it. It just sort of uh, percolated in the back of my head. I showed our marketing director one day, um, I just, hey, check this out. <laughs> and uh, she just like went crazy. You know, I think about this sometimes. Wait, if she, how'd she go crazy? Good, <laughs> good, okay. good, good. This is this is us. This is who we are. Oh my God, you've captured it. This is fantastic. You got to tell everybody. Had she been. Um, like a, a degree or two less enthusiastic, I probably never would have seen the light of day. I just wouldn't have had the self-confidence, frankly, to share it with anybody else. She could have killed this so easily, <laughs> uh, but she didn't. She absolutely embraced it. And so uh, she, you've got to get in front of everybody. You've got to talk about this. So um, I, I honestly would not have done it without that encouragement. So we set up a big uh, meeting for me. This is by the way, if you're, if you're trying to take lessons away from this, this is not the best way to do it. <laughs> we went to a Mexican restaurant because it could fit everybody in there. And we uh, had a big breakfast meeting where uh, everyone's seated like auditorium style with their breakfast burritos looking at me. And I go to talk about the purpose and the process, how I got here. And I read our new purpose statement about changing the community. And uh, you, you know how you, when you speak to a room, you can read the room and get something back from what's yep. going on in their mind? Like it was, um, uh, uh, someone likes to say it's the, uh, uh, they're waiting for the English portion of the program to begin. They had absolutely no idea what I was talking about. It was so like flat and uh, I got nothing back from it. It was really wow. unfulfilling <laughs> to say the yeah. I noticed in the back of the room, um, I noticed that there's two people passing notes back and forth as I was talking. And so I thought, well, that note has the key to what they what the group is feeling. I'm going to find that note afterwards. So as everybody cleans up their burritos and the chairs go up and everybody leaves, and I go back to that where they're sitting and I found the note on the ground. And, and sure enough, that note told me everything I need to know. So anyway, any other questions? <laughs> nice. You are a newspaper guy. <laughs> And we'll be back after this <laughs> commercial break. So the note says, um, and I have it still to this day, and the note says, um, I wish I had worn my boots today because the BS is so deep in here. <laughs> and that was crushing. That was crushing. So we're talking about obstacles, right? Yeah, yeah. So clearly not. Now think about this. I'm, I'm a, a, you know, in my 20s or, or something, in late 20s probably. These are people who had worked at the company longer than I'd been alive. They, they had seen me grow up. They had put me through college, really, honestly. That's, that's, that's the relationship. And uh, here I was declaring this big, ambitious purpose that was so far beyond anything we were talking about at the time. So, um, yeah, I had a choice to make after that. Do I... Do I double down on this, or uh, do I just pretend this never happened? <laughs> uh, well, I, I doubled down and um, decided that I, it's, it was going to take um, uh, just constant, constant, relentless re repetition and effort. And um, I also understood uh, instinctively, I think, that, that I needed to be very good about drawing a line for people between the job that you do here at Goodman's as our accounts receivable clerk 
and the impact you're making on the community. The job you do is a warehouse receiver receiving a, a dock person and, the, and how we're impacting the community. I had to really be deliberate about that and repetitive about that. And um, you give it enough time and uh, it eventually takes hold. Yeah. <clears throat> Can I ask a question? If you could go back, so you said that pulling everyone together at the Mexican restaurant was a bad idea. If you could go back with hindsight, uh, how would you have approached that differently? I think I would have, um, that's a great question. I think I would have, uh, I think I would have slowly started to introduce this, right? Um, as opposed to coming up with a, here's the purpose statement, here's who we are, and, and, uh, and it falling flat. I think I would have just started introducing the terms and the concepts and the ideas slowly on day-to-day micro uh, interactions rather than tackle everybody at once. Uh, I think that's what it was. And I can get, just like I got with the marketing director, I got yep. the reaction out of her on the one-on-one. Yep. Uh, you put everybody in a room together and it, 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 it's, you don't get that same dynamic. So I think yep. it would have been more one-on-one until till I had a foundation mm. and then <laughs> people would heard it. And then by the time I get up in front of everybody and we're at a Mexican restaurant, yep. they it's familiar to them. They've heard it before. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that where, you know, how you deal with committee is you sell everybody individually. You know, we have committee meetings, you know. Right. And then it's all yeah. well done and everything. Right. Yeah. Okay. Sure. No one's going to be demonstrative in a group environment. Like, yeah. I, right. I think I expected they would carry me off on the shoulders. I think that, like, mm-hmm. I, I, that would have been awesome. <laughs> I don't know really what I was expecting. Like, right. I didn't think it through as to how this is going to go down. Yeah. But, um, uh, so, there you go. That's cool. awesome. So, uh, so you double down and then, um, hop any, so what, what were the, what did it get easier after that? Like once you had that meeting and you know, there was a note you found and you're like, crap, got to double down, you know, kind of thing. What, how that, how that play out? Like, well, what, maybe one thing that you had to, um, face? the, 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 the <clears throat> it was key getting the leadership team on board first, um, mm-hmm. and getting them to buy in, which they didn't all buy in. And so that it, we had to make changes to the leadership team of people who just didn't buy into this. Like that, that, that was non-negotiable. They had to be uh, on board with it. So that that change happened pretty quickly. Um, That's hard. Yeah, that That's is hard. that is indeed. The um, if there's one tactic, we'll call it. I think that really has made a difference or made an impact. Is um, I I make a point every week to uh, write notes home to employees, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm talking to their families really as much as I am to them. I, I want the families to understand that the impact that, that these employees are having on the community. So I'm looking for any excuse I could possibly find to write a note home. Luckily, we get lots of really nice feedback from customers uh, almost every day. So it's not too difficult. But um, uh, So now I'll, you're, you're an installer, and uh, the work you did out at, um, at the university and it helps with the classroom. I will talk to you and your family about um, about how what an impact you made, how you made a better learning environment for students, and how that's changing the community and fulfilling our purpose. And thank you very much. Now the whole family feels proud about the contribution you're making, and it's not just showing up every day and, and uh, breaking, breaking your back to move furniture around. Yeah, I know. Like whenever, whenever my wife hears about me doing a good job somewhere, like I didn't think it would. I don't think it would affect her. And then the next thing I know, she's telling her mom. You know, oh, <laughs> oh, nice. it's awesome. I mean, yeah. I didn't realize you know you don't realize how much of an impact that has. And 
what a morale boost it is just to be able to be a hero in front of your family now. That's exactly great. what we're going for. It's yeah. great for your kids to see too. It's, you're thinking about raising kids with character and everything, you know? That's it. I, I imagine they're on like a refrigerator somewhere, I like to think. That's probably not, I, I doubt anybody's got that, but that's the way I picture them as sitting on a refrigerator like next to the, yeah. you know, Barney drawings or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, all right, so, so let's jump right to it then, because what we're really interested in here at the Easy Braincast is we're interested in how, how does Arizona kind of follow examples like this, right? How does Arizona start to kind of find itself, right, and, and use, how do we look at Arizona companies for inspiration and say, okay, well, yeah, maybe we could try to be like Silicon Valley or like New York City or something like that, but what about people who are already doing it here? Yeah. And so I guess the next question is, um, what would it take for Arizona to start to start moving this direction maybe not exactly like you did it maybe maybe exactly how you did it but what are your what are your thoughts on arizona kind of moving in this like cool direction becoming finding itself coming into its own i've given a lot of thought to this um i've got a uh, a real interest in getting um like-minded companies here in arizona who are thinking thinking bigger um we are in a sense the wild west where people are coming here to Strike it rich, make a quick buck, sell the company, flip it, and move on to the next, to the next. Um, so that's um, uh, it's tough. It's tough. I, I, there, in the business community, I run into a lot of people who do not understand why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, we don't have a lot of third generation companies. It's easy for me because I've I've got this long time horizon. I see things from a, a, a long term perspective, so I think that way naturally. If if my objective was to build a company and sell it in seven years, uh, I don't know that I would have this uh, natural uh, mindset. So, um, so yes, I have thought about this a lot. And um, I think there's an opportunity. Let's start there. I think there's a great opportunity for Arizona because, because we are new, because we aren't entrenched like these other uh, communities are, that we can, uh, and we're attracting so many people so, uh, so quickly that uh, we can, we have yet to create the identity of who we are. And um, that's, that I think can become a big advantage for us. And um, my hope, vision, dream, one of those, is, um, is that we become a place for purpose-based businesses to thrive and to uh, engage with each other. Not, I'm not saying our purpose. I don't, I don't, it doesn't have to be our purpose. I mean simply purpose-based businesses and that we can start to attract talent that cares about purpose. And um, in, in this, this becomes like a little uh, hub and we become an echo chamber of people talking about purpose and the importance of having purpose at work. That, um, that's quite gratifying to me. So how do you do that? So I, I, that I've thought a lot about as well. And um, what I've concluded is it's, it, it's just, it's like the Mexican food example. Look at me, watch this, watch, I'm gonna bring this full circle around. Watch me. So just like what I learned from that is you can't carpet bomb a room with this big picture idea. It has to be more on a one-on-one, -on -one, hand-to-hand combat kind of thing. Two war metaphors, you know, take that dog <laughs> <laughs> Two war metaphors in one sentence. war metaphor guy, but <laughs> he got you on that one. He did. Exactly. But this idea of hand-to-hand -hand combat, it's gotta be, um, it's gotta be, hearts and minds gotta be one over one at a time. This is why, um, we, uh, so this is again a personal mission of mine to help change the people. So uh, we're using the, the platform of Conscious Capitalism and the book by uh, John Mackey and Raj Sasodia. Mm -hmm. And of course, Conscious Capitalism has now chapters all over the country 
Did you know that the second chapter in the entire country was here in Arizona? You, I did, but I'm, I'm privy to insider knowledge that many are not. <laughs> we, so. we can play along for the podcast and be surprised. Wow, that's yeah, crazy. That's what I'm saying. Gosh, golly. Gee willikers. We're overplaying it. Holy cow. <laughs> no, I think that's... I don't know. Say that again, because I think that's important. Uh, Arizona has the second chapter of the conscious mm -hmm. capitalism in the entire country. Yeah. Right? Someone here, we know his name, Scott McIntosh, got it early, was an earlier adopter, and championed the idea mm -hmm. um, and financed the idea to get the chapter rolling. I think that's the platform to be able to educate the local business community. Um, this idea, if we can, if we can uh, attract a broad audience to belong to Conscious Capitalism, and it's only $52 a year. Act now. <laughs> Go to ConsciousCapitalismArizona.com. Uh, it's only $52 a year. So it's a low uh, barrier to entry to get in to join the chapter. You get um, a, um, and you, you we start to collect people who believe what we believe, right? And we can start to have conversations among ourselves. It's not a particularly uh, intensive group in terms of programming. We don't have the money for that. It's only $52 a year. We just want to build the list and see who cares about this thing. Yeah. Uh, we won, um, I'm proud to say, from the Pecos Foundation, the Boost Prize last year. The Boost Prize is looking for a small to medium-sized company that, um, whose um, purpose aligns with their, um, with their philanthropic work. And um, we won. And it's a $40,000 prize. Awesome. We took that prize and we invested it in books of conscious capitalism. Mm -hmm. And we're giving them out to everybody who comes into our... Uh, into our office, who takes a tour of our office. So we should ask real quick, because it's, it's a topic now, so what is conscious capitalism, just for the listeners? Mm -hmm. Can you summarize that for us? Um, okay. Um, <laughs> Put you on the spot. Con Are you going to guess first to give you some? Yeah, well, multiple choice. <laughs> conscious capitalism is uh, a, a big picture about the idea that you are serving more than just the shareholders of a corporation. The purpose is beyond just the shareholders, but in fact... It's, uh, there's a greater purpose, a higher purpose. Mm -hmm. And so to, the conscious capitalism is four pillars, um, and they are, include uh, having a higher purpose, as I just mentioned, having conscious leadership, and um, having stakeholder inter interdependence. You think about stakeholders in terms of more than just the shareholders, like I said, but it's your customers and your employees and the community and the environment. These are all stakeholders. They all have an impact on each other. And then there's the fourth pillar. So that's essentially conscious capitalism. Very easy to get with the cliffhanger. Go to the website. You, you yeah, read about yeah, the fourth pillar. More on this. And once you start uh, reading about it and learning about it, it helps you. Uh, what happens you naturally think about your own business and where you stack up to um, on these scales. And it really starts to mess with your mind in a really good way and open it up to uh, there's another way to pursue business and, uh, and it doesn't have to be the way it's been done for only about 50 years. By the way, this idea that we're, the purpose of business is to maximize shareholder profits is just 50 years old. It was yep. just written by a guy in a magazine article and we all believe it's gospel. That's the way we're running around. But no, it's not the way it always has been and, and it doesn't have to be the way it continues to, to be. I love it. Awesome. Did you give us four or did you just give I only counted three. That's why I was like, no, he left the cliffhanger. He did. He did. Okay, yeah. we gave us. And now I'm racking my brain. What's the fourth one? I think that I think part two of the podcast interview is going to be fun to talk about the fourth one. All right. Hey, man. We'll take it. We'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> part two. All right. Cool. To be continued. Up. All right. Yeah. But let's get. We'll circle back on that. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so, so this is a little different from like Milton Friedman, who's like, you know, 
uh, you know, companies shouldn't be giving shareholder money yes. to like, you know, this is, this is the opposite of that. It's still capitalism. It's still very much like, Hey, free people make decisions. Um, it's just that, you know, companies are going to stand up and say, well, we've decided with our money, the free country to be able to give what we want and we're going to take care of our communities. We're going to take care of all these, these stakeholders, not just shareholders, but all the stakeholders. You think of it this way, there's, so if we declare there's more stakeholders than just the shareholder, and there's also different types of wealth we can create, not just financial wealth. There's emotional wealth, spiritual wealth, physical wealth. There's all, there's, there's, I could probably go through 10 different kinds of wealth we can create. And if you look at the list of the, of the stakeholders and the list of the different types of wealth, and you can, it's like a mix and match game. And how do you want to deploy your research? You have, it's, it's non-negotiable. You have to make a profit, right? That's the capitalism part. That's, that's non-negotiable. But you can also do all kinds of other things for all kinds of different stakeholders uh, and make that part of the purpose of the business as well. And profit becomes the engine to achieve the purpose. Yeah, yeah. And it's self-sustaining, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what, for me, that's one of the biggest draws of this idea of conscious capitalism is that um, if you're in it for the long haul, right? And I think that's something we talk a lot about in the Arizona chapter um, and something I care very passionately about. You brought it up, you know, if you had you were in this business for five years and looking to sell out, would you have instituted all the things that you've done over the last 10 years? Maybe not. Um, but if you're in it for the sustainability of an organization and the purpose of that organization, um, even if, I mean, even if you want to get as shallow as like, well, we want to make a buck for a long time, right? How can you do that if you are shaving off your stakeholders in the process? Right, and I think one of the things for me that's been so like critical to like why businesses have to do business this way now is that you cannot get away with the kind of shaving that was possible 50 years ago, where you could like you know basically almost get slave labor in another country, facilitate your entire production line there, and no one here and no consumer would understand what that meant, right? But now it's like we live in this world where. When you shave from one side, the other side is going to understand and figure that out. Transparency. And transparency, yeah. right? Even if you don't want to run a transparent organization, you don't have that luxury. Right. Your employees um, will call you out. Yeah, your employees will call you out. Your, your <laughs> customers will call you out. Yeah. Um, you're going to face, like, down the line, like, there's a limited resource for almost every category of resource for every company, um, right? And so if you don't take care of your resources, um, your physical resources, they won't be here in 50 years. Well, and this fits in well with branding too, because any business that invests in a brand, they're investing in a specific promise, right? And so now all of a sudden you you get, when, when, when customers demand a brand name for things, they want that reputation. And, um, <clears throat> and so now brands, companies benefit when they brand now. Um, if they're conscious, if they're following the tenets of conscious capitalism, they're going to get rewarded for that. Whereas companies that don't do that, they're going to be now more like, it's going to be more obvious, right? Cause they just made this, they just drew a line in the sand, but then turned around and just like, you know, didn't, didn't honor that line at all. And it is obvious. It makes everything more obvious. It could be good. It makes it that obvious. You're, you're, um, treading on territory that I, it makes me uncomfortable, which is, um, which is the part where we start talking about, uh, what's the marketplace reaction to this uh, yeah. and to what extent does this drive more business and generate more business 
and I think on a consumer level, I think that might have some, um, that might be a, 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 a fair conversation to have. There's certainly plenty of brands that do a great job, Whole Foods and Kickstarter and, you know. Well, you can fake it, that's for sure. Uh, well, no, no, that's not what I mean. I mean, um, um, I think consumers make decisions oftentimes based on um, the, the honesty and the integrity of the brand. On a business-to-business -business, uh, situation, right, which is what we're in, um, I, I try not to think about that, right? I try not to think that that's going to make any kind of difference in anyone's decision at all. Um, one's just internally for me that it, it, uh, it somehow begins to feel dishonest or dishonorable if the reason we're doing all this is just to hope to get more, yeah. sell more stuff, right? So I, I really push that out of my head and I don't even like the conversation. Um, um, yes, so I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I like to say that um, customers care about this conscious capitalism and this purpose as long as we're the low bid. For the low bid, then it's a bit, then they, it means something to them. We're not the low bid, then they don't care at all, and that's fine. I'd rather compete on the traditional terms that we've got to compete on and win that way. And um, to, to so to anticipate what your next question is, well, then why the hell are you doing all this? One is to one is for myself, right? To, I need a purpose uh, in my life of why I'm doing this. Two is the people here. I started this podcast by talking about how my father had been able to track great people, and I knew that I needed to track great people. Well, by giving them this kind of a bigger sense of purpose, this is this is about an employment brand more than a marketing brand, right? Sure. And, uh, for a customer brand, I should say. And um, and so, yeah, just like any brand, we, we it is a promise that we put out there that we're going to act a certain way and do certain things. And by, my goodness, the employees are welcome to call us on it when they see us um, uh, not acting in, with integrity uh, against that brand. Yeah. To the extent customers are interested, that's great. That's wonderful. I'm not counting on it, and I'm, I'm, I certainly don't want it to be my driving purpose. Sure, but I think that's what like <clears throat> really makes a good brand. They're not doing it necessarily all for the money, right? Yep. And and you can uh, or for the sale. Yeah, for the sale, yeah. Yeah, maybe not just all for the sale, right? I mean, you're doing it because it's something well, you have a vision for. It. Yeah, and I, I think <clears throat> for me, the value of, I mean, your customer is one of your stakeholders. So there's a natural spillover there. But I think for me, and I think this is maybe where you're, uh, you correct me if I'm wrong, maybe I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth that aren't there. But for me, the customer is not about the transaction, it's about developing a great relationship, right? Just like you wanna have a great relationship between the organization and the people who work there, mm -hmm. and the vendors who supply the things you need to get the work done. Um, for me, it's about you know, whether that's B2B or B2C, when you're dealing with individual consumers of individual products selling into their home, or if you're dealing with a business, ultimately, like, there is a relationship there. And when we have relationships with people, we care about them. That's just how it works, because we're human. Well, I don't know how many times I've heard the pitch. Pitches, uh, advertising pitches, agency pitches are business to business, right? Yep. But I don't know how many times I've heard people say, like, people who have way more experience than me say, um, they have to like you and trust you, right? And that's what you're, you like you, trust you. If they, uh, so, so, so we had, when I, when I taught advertising in Oregon, we had, we pitched clients, real clients, Leatherman Tool Company, companies like that, right? They would come in and I would give them, I would say, okay, fill out this form and, and, and we'll look at the numbers and we'll find out who won. 
but they were probably about half the time. They said, you know what? Technically, these guys won, but we just like the other people better. So I'm like, all right, cool. Well, they win then, right? Because that's who you choose in real life. And so I'm wondering, you know, how much of that is like, look, we feel like we know good men and we feel like they're going to be good to work with because they share our values or whatever. And so a lot of that transactional time, like trying to like email people and trying to get things done, it's just like, it's so much easier now because I already know who these people are. I didn't already know what their values are, right? I mean, I wonder how much... Well, you know, you, it, 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 office furniture tends to be purchased by committee oftentimes. Yeah. And so, um, yes, we may have some people on the committee who that resonates with and get that and uh, attracts them. It's, you've got so many different personality types. Uh, and it um, oftentimes, not all the time, but oftentimes someone wants a more uh, objective way to make a decision and they don't feel in a committee sense. It doesn't feel right in a committee for us to say, well, I just feel like I like them better, but their proposal was better, right? So that's The high tough. C on the team is not going to go with the touchy-feely. Right, exactly. <laughs> not going to let it go. I love your vision and values. <laughs> nope, what's the bottom line? Exactly. Yeah. So, how much am I going to save or how much is this going to cost me or how much return on investment am I going to get? It gets a little, gets a little sure. complicated. Again, yeah. I'm saying that in part just to inoculate myself from the idea yeah. that we're doing it uh, I don't want you guys convincing me that we're doing it for, for a... Well, yeah. No, right. And, and, I, don't, I, I don't sense that. I don't, I've never... I haven't sensed that anytime I've heard you talk. I haven't sensed that for any of our few conversations we've had. Um, I'm not sensing that now. Okay. I, I think that's... I think that's really important. It's not about you. It's about me. Yep. Meaning, in my head, i got to stay pure in my head or yeah. um, I'll, it'll all start... Perverting what my what I do. Well, I mean that's a conversation amongst I think a lot of the conscious capitalism movement right now, which is how do you know if someone's internalizing these things or is it just for show, right? Yeah, I don't want to fall into a trap of like okay, I'm doing the right thing, but now my goal instead of doing the right thing is try to convince you guys I'm doing the right thing. Yeah, right. 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 Yeah, so right. then I stopped doing the right thing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Because your motive is Well, then it's, I did the right thing. Didn't you see what I did? Yeah, yeah right, right. It's all PR then, right? <clears throat> and so the trap is, you know, is staying out of that trap of, because um, how many times have we seen businesses, like, what happens then, right, is you're like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to follow the example of these guys over here, but it's, my heart's not in it. So you do just a little bit, and then you say, oh, didn't work. Try to didn't work, you know, kind of thing. And then you walk away, and you're frustrated, and you waste some money. So, what would have to happen in Arizona for, for us to gain momentum? Are there some practical things that could happen in your mind, or is it just kind of like, everybody should just try to be consciously capitalistic? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, if, um, I guess we could join conscious capitalism. Yep. 50 bucks. 52. $52 a year, right? Yes. What do you get for $52 a year? You get part of the conversation. You get so there's, there's newsletters. There are events. There are you know monthly events. You can come to those. But at least you get in. You you you're in the stream of conversation, and now you can start uh, engaging and finding people who are thinking the same way you're thinking, or curious at least about the same concepts. That's the benefit to you. Um, I think uh, your question is, what can we do? What are we going to do? I'm, and I, I guess the the message is there isn't thing you can do or that we can do. There's no proclamation that comes from the governor that says 
from this day forward. That's who we're going to be. It has to be one at a time and winning the hearts and minds one at a time. So it's a matter of the people who are currently thinking this way, reaching out to more people to get them to think this way and reaching out and reaching out. This is why we spend $40,000 on books to, to, to start spreading the news. Um, and so, um, but the good news is I'd rather be doing that here than in any other city in the country because here we've got an opportunity where things are new enough and fresh enough and people are open-minded enough and they're starting new adventures and it actually can happen here. Uh, I don't know that I could say the same for Columbus, Ohio, where it's a, you know, it's a corporate town. It's got sort of stagnated in who they are. I'm sorry, Columbus. I didn't mean that. <laughs> I'm sorry, Columbus, Cincinnati, and uh, what other? Cleveland, Cleveland, yeah. I, is, what's the listenership like in <laughs> Ohio? Oh, I'm a little surprised. We only care about anybody in Ohio right okay, now. Okay, good. Maybe we care. Who knows? <laughs> Look at the analytics later. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, so, but you mentioned the governor proclamation, right? You don't want you don't want the as soon as the government starts to institutionalize it, right. it becomes like this thing that you know is artificial and everybody's playing lip service. That's not to say that there's not a role for the governor to play to start the conversation. Okay. That's for sure. And um, and frankly, what we know about our governor is that he does think this way and he does believe in these kinds of things. And um, and so actually, there is a there is an opportunity in his second term, perhaps he'll. He can start this kind of conversation, but yeah, it needs a high-profile champion like that mm -hmm. uh, to at least get people thinking and talking that way. Very so, cool. action item: if you're yeah. high-profile and listening <laughs> right now, yeah, let's get you involved. If yeah. you're high-profile, yeah. but if you're not, just write yourself. Just send us the fifty-two dollars. <laughs> yeah. no, Adam, who no, should no. we talk to, dude? Who who is this like, high-profile? Who, who should we be talking to? Like, who should we have on our podcast to, you know? talk about this kind of stuff next who would have a different point of view and complimentary uh is this thing on <laughs> we, can just, we can brainstorm afterwards okay we can All brainstorm right. afterwards cool, cool um and so what would i are there any are there any politicians involved in the in conscious capitalism right now no i've met <clears> one <throat> um but i don't think they actually took office should i say politician or should i say Government leader is that less public official? Public, public official. official, yeah. Public official sounds very nice. Water department, parks and rec. I'll tell you. I mean, uh, uh, um, it's not an elected office, but certainly a public uh, official is uh, the superintendent from Phoenix Union High School District, mm -hmm. Chad Guest. And this guy is is a conscious capitalist leader, if there ever was one. A truly enlightened leader who operates on those four pillars that I talked about. I only talked about three of the pillars, but he's he operates on all four of the pillars. And um, you watch what happens to that school district as it changes under his leadership. He's only been there about two years. But it's gonna it's gonna this was exciting things happening there as he completely changes the culture. You'll you'll see how a public organization can have that kind of metamorphosis by thinking this way. He's not he's not he's not an elected official in the sense of a statewide sure. office, but um, certainly those kinds of leaders start thinking and talking this way. It'll uh, impact others, inspire others, really. Yeah. So, in our last couple of minutes, uh, this has been an awesome conversation. Thank you, Adam. Yes. Last, thank you. Well, last couple of minutes, maybe you could just talk real quickly about um, Goodman. Um, talk about the company uh, real quick, and then maybe how uh, people would find you. Well, the first thing I think it's important to know about our company is it's it's plural. It's Goodmans. Mm -hmm. You keep saying Goodman. My last name's Goodman, but the company's name is Goodman's. Okay. 
Good mints. Good mints. No apostrophe. It's not possessive. It's yeah. just plural. A lot of people make the, the uh, possessive mistake. Good, right. Good brand I would, consistency. I would have done that. Good yeah. brand consistency. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, okay, I'm sorry. I was just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> she was upset by that. I was just kidding. Oh, no, no, no. I would have done the apostrophe if you wouldn't have said so. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're in Phoenix and Tucson and Albuquerque. Um, we, are, uh, we have big offices and warehouses in each one of those locations. And um, we're a Herman Miller distributor uh, have been for 50 years a 50 our 50th year partnership with Herman Miller and uh, we also represent dirt uh, dirt is a uh, interior construction process really uh, it stands for do it right this time d-i-r-t-t meaning if you're going to build a building don't do it the old way you've been doing it for uh, hundreds of years but there's a new way to do it involving new technologies new process that's uh, uh, faster and uh, better on the environment, more sustainable for the long term. Hmm. And uh, it's a, this is what you're sitting in it right now. Ah, oh, listener, if you can only see how beautiful this product is. Um, it is beautiful. It is. Beautiful. It is. It and um, you can find us at goodmans.com. That's www.goodmans.com. Awesome. Open weekdays till six, Saturdays okay. until two. Awesome. No, we're not open Saturdays. <laughs> Still coming on Saturdays. Saturdays. All right, and they can see I've seen your website, and there's some really nice stuff up there. Mm. So, yes, encourage you to go, listeners, check it out. Goodman's no apostrophe. <laughs> All right, and Mike, uh, uh, let's wrap it up. Uh, yep. where, where are you from, Mike? I'm from Resound. What do you do? We're a brand agency out of Tempe, Arizona. We work with small, medium-sized businesses to unpack their core story mm. and tell it to the world. So you can find us at resoundcreative.com. Hit me up, Mike, at resoundcreative.com. And Chris, what are you up to? I'm Chris. I love uh, projects and content. You can find me at www.chrisstadler.com. And uh, one of my favorite favorite people to work with is Mike in Resound. Managing some projects. Yeah. So uh, having a party. Just nothing but a party going on over there in Resound. So... You're going to be the Laugh Factory in Albuquerque, New Mexico this weekend? Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> Just nah, I'm game. Sure. Yeah, let's, let's go. go. <laughs> cool. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening uh, to the AZ Brandcast. Uh, you can find all our episodes at www.azbrandcast.com. No yeah. apostrophe. No apostrophe. All right. Love you guys. Talk to you later. See ya. And we're done. Thank you. That's fun.